Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Lockdown Flyers podcast for Wednesday, January 12th, your daily dose of Flyers news analysis and high quality content that is wishing a very happy birthday to the captain, Claude Giroux. Hope he gets all the grilled cheese he wants. Grilled cheese? That's what he wants? Well, it's his thing, right? I would want something better, but go Claude, be you. It is also Felix Sandstrom's birthday, so happy birthday to him, and happy birthday to me. It is my birthday, and you should all celebrate me. Happy birthday to you and some Swedish fish for for Sandstrom. (laughs) Thanks for making us your first listen every day. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, at Lockdown Flyers. Keep up to date on all the Flyers news, our episodes. Uh, you know, tweet me birthday gifts. You can yeah. also email the show at lockdownflyers at gmail.com. I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here with Russ Cohen, who is on Twitter at Sportsology. On today's show, we are not going to be talking about a Flyers versus Carolina Hurricanes game because that did not occur last night. We will be talking about the latest news around the Flyers. We are going to do a prospect profile on Jack St. Ivany and uh, hit up some mailbag questions. Locked on Flyers is free and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you are listening. So subscribe and you'll get all of our episodes here on the Locked on Sports Network. All right, Russ. So late Monday, a little after 10 p.m., we got word that the game for Tuesday night was off from the NHL. A little odd getting the news that late at night. It, It is. Again, we all go back to the Pittsburgh game and we're like, okay, so now we're pretty sure the Pittsburgh game happened because it was on ESPN, right? Like we all pretty much could say that. That was what we were thinking, but now that they've canceled this one, that's what we're thinking. So they're trying to make sure there's games to be made up in that February block. Uh, I do think they have probably more than they can handle for some teams, but this will be in that February block, no doubt. I think so, too. And, you know, it's hard to go down that conspiracy theory rabbit hole, but it is absolutely true that it is is blatantly obvious that they're making decisions based on gate money and economics and the broadcast deal. They're not even trying to hide it anymore. No, I mean, on on some level, I see it. I do. But, you know, the the competition level for that other game wasn't great. That's the problem. Yeah, I think they did see that. And the the broadcast certainly struggled in that Flyers-Pens game to create an engaging level of content. And I don't think they wanted to do that again, especially with Carolina being at full strength and being a very good team. No doubt. So they decided to have a practice session instead on Tuesday. The birthday boy, Claude Giroux, was back. Uh, He seemed pretty happy to be there and out of the basement where he was quarantined. (laughs) But uh, still missing from practice were Travis Konechny and Ivan Provorov. They are still out on COVID 
protocol and Rasmus Ristolainen was added to the COVID protocol list. So you, you one step forward, two steps back. Yeah, so that means he won't be in the next game no matter what. No. And then we also learned that Patrick Brown, who was injured in the Sharks game, he's going to be out about four weeks with an MCL sprain, which is a tough thing to recover from. Yeah, that could be very lingering for sure. I do have to ask a question here, though. Yeah. Raising my hand in class. Here's the question. So we know exactly what the injury is with Patrick Brown, and we have no idea what the injury is with Ryan Ellis. Could be the same injury. Could be, uh, although I think that if it was something definitive like that, they would tell us just because there isn't a choice to be made, I guess, of, okay, you know, a surgery or not surgery. I mean, whatever it is, they've decided not to do surgery. Yeah. Right? So they made a choice and now they are living with that choice in terms of whether or not he can get back out on the ice. So That's fair. I don't know. You know, I just spent a little bit of time talking about conspiracy theories that <laughs> that I buy into some, but I don't want to buy into a conspiracy theory about this. Okay. Uh, speaking of conspiracy theories, there was a bit of a bombshell on the Cam and Strick show. Uh, Bobby Clark appeared on it and kind of stirred up some old feelings about the Ron Hextall era related to, you know, some decisions that Ron Hextall made in terms of potential trades that did or did not happen and draft picks and and such. And I think that none of this was stuff that we didn't know already to some degree. And I will say, like I said on Twitter, to me in situations like this, the truth is always somewhere in the middle and everybody's got an angle and everybody's got a perspective and an agenda. Bobby Clark is still employed by the team and is still even a figurehead in the, in this team. And Mm -hmm. so I I think you have to take what he says with a grain of salt and also, you know, appearing on a show and getting caught up in emotions, I think is also a thing that could happen with him. And so I, I am less interested in rehashing the Ron Hextall era in terms of, you know, what he did wrong or what could have been, as opposed to figuring out what mistakes he made that we can learn from and that hopefully Chuck Fletcher is trying to mitigate. Yeah, it's not like, you know, when Clark was a GM, he won a cup. He didn't. So he also had an Eric Lindros, which his team doesn't have. No offense to Claude Giroux. I think even he would say that. Again, revisionist history in in the draft is ridiculous. The only thing I'll come out and say for certain is 90-something percent of the teams would have taken Nolan Patrick if he had been in that second spot or had slipped. There's no question about it. You couldn't have known what was going to come, and that guy could play. And that's the end of the day. I mean, again, I don't want to hear about junior stuff. I don't want to hear about the, the Brandon, all, you know, all of that stuff that we've heard about now because all of a sudden... The Brandon Provor- Wheat King's Illuminati. Yeah, it's like that because all of a sudden Provorov can't play, right? You know, right. if you listen to some people. So there's that thing. And then, of course, Hextall's with Pittsburgh. So that has nothing to do with this, right? The fact that he's been there and they're more successful already. But that has nothing to do with it. So that's it. I'm done. <laughs> 
Well, I'm with you there. Again, I think it's, you know, a whole lot of nothing. And without having a game, you know, there's not much to talk about Mm -hmm. as, as far as, you know, that day. And this is, was something to talk about the timing of it made it seem more significant than maybe it was. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Another thing swirling around the NHL is the continuing saga of Evander Kane and that there was some inklings, you know, as of our recording Tuesday evening that he may be headed to Edmonton. Yeah. I mean, based on the Ken Holland press conference, it sure did seem like he has an interest he didn't deny it, so there's definitely an interest. He's definitely kicked the tires. I think he was sort of warming up the crowd for it, if you ask me. It doesn't mean it's a guarantee, but it does seem pretty strong. I know in the past, Glenn Sater has wanted him for the Rangers. He's certainly not the GM now. If you don't think he has any power, you're, you're, you're silly. And so I'm sure he has his opinion on that. I think Pittsburgh would want him. Because, again, Sidney Crosby could probably handle anybody in the locker room. And Brian Burke could probably try and talk to him and, and get his head straight. So there's that. And maybe even a team like the Minnesota Wild, who I think Bill Guerin has an, you know, a very good uh, way of handling his guys. And it's worked out. In the end, what I don't like about this whole thing is that Evander Kane actually has a choice of where he's going to go. Like, that's the most amazing thing out of this whole thing. And it really is terrible but that's you know the rules of the rules so whatever yeah I think that's part of it is that Ken Holland said something about you know giving people second chances right yes this would be chance number six or seven oh yeah for for Evander Kane and that he has proven himself to be not a great teammate and that he is going to cause drama off the ice no matter what. And I think that if you can say one thing about the Flyers being in the situation that they're in is that this is not a team that Evander Kane is going to pursue. And I don't think no. the Flyers would pursue him. And I think we're lucky no. in that yeah. in that sense and in that sense only. But I think that you know any teams that are taking a chance on him for – marginal improvement on the ice for their team is making a big mistake. I Look, they're going to get points out of it. And in the end, if those points turn into wins and it gets them into the playoffs, that's all they care about right now. So I think there's going to be four or five teams for sure. Probably more have called just to kind of see and see where it's at. And this guy's going to have his choice of teams. He's going to be a hot topic on the team as the you know low-paying player, but the oxygen that he takes up is great. It absolutely is. Well, it's my birthday, and I'm going to keep repeating this. And this is kind of when I take stock of things on my birthday, not so much New Year's Eve. And, you know, doing things like new resolutions for my next year of life. But if you're a New Year's resolution kind of person and you made one about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar, maybe even better, I gotta say. They make it so much easier to stick to that resolution. Unlike other protein bars, which sometimes can be chalky or taste like chemicals, 
You want to eat healthy, but it gets so boring. Built Bars are the opposite of that. They're covered in 100% real chocolate. So when you're craving a snack or a treat, you can reach for something that's healthy and tastes incredible. A typical Built Bar has about 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, but also 17 grams of protein. They have so many amazing flavors to choose from, whether it's coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry, salted caramel, so many more. In fact, Built is always coming out with new limited time flavors. So check out Built.com to see what's new. And while you're there, you use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Once again, thanks for making Lockdown Flyers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. Switching gears to our prospect profile and Jack St. Ivany. Uh, if you recall, he was drafted in 2018 in the fourth round. He is a right-handed defenseman, currently 22 years old. He came up through the Junior Kings program, played at Yale for a couple of seasons, was on uh, the World Juniors roster in 2020, which was that last one before COVID that uh, won the silver. But then he transferred to Boston College for last season and this season. This season, he's playing pretty well. Uh, 17 points, three goals, 14 assists in 19 games played. So I think the big question that people might have is why that transfer from Yale to BC? Yeah, I can't tell you for sure. Uh, I just think maybe they, you know, he he was going to get maybe got promised a more offensive role uh, with BC. That would be my guess. Because I did see him at Yale, and I'm kind of going back in the memory banks because I cover out of Princeton, but I kind of feel like maybe he wasn't getting that role. And Yale's not very, not a very offensive program anyhow. Mm-hmm. So I think, I, I think that has something to do with it. Just to give you an example, like this year in a game in October, he took seven shots. Probably never took seven shots in a game at Yale. No. Um, you know, and so like even a recent one, five shots. So not a recent one, another early one, sorry. Um, well, actually one in November, four shots. I mean, he likes taking shots. He's an offensive player. He he has 17 points, which, you know, on the college level is very good. He skates well. I saw him in a couple of All-American Prospects games. So he's been traveling in those circles for a while with some of the higher-end guys. I like him. He's a right-handed shot. His skating is solid. He's got very good stick and puck control. I think he's very self-critical in the positive way where he's willing to listen and, and make adjustments. He's got a lot of good traits. And I do think he's a potential NHL talent. He was always going to take a little longer for me. I can't tell you why. Sometimes it's just a gut feeling. So... That doesn't surprise me, but that doesn't mean he's not going to be a decent NHLer. Yeah, I, I think your point there is a good one in terms of the types of programs, because, I mean, obviously, just thinking about just college, you wouldn't see somebody normally transferring from Yale mm-hmm. and Ivy League school to, right. to a school like Boston College. But in terms of what the Boston College program can offer you in terms of a showcase, I think it's a no-brainer. Yeah, and that's, you know, again... People have made it from Yale, Alex Lyon, one of them who we talked about on the show recently. But 
For St. Ivany, Boston College does have a good history of defensemen. He's also 6'3". He's mm-hmm. filling out. He's now at 195. He was definitely not 195 when they drafted him. So, again, a, a nice advantage to the college hockey programs, the big ones especially, is you have a trainer there. And and that's huge. Like, you know, with the, uh, with the Canadian Hockey League, like offseason, they're allowed to have a little bit of a stipend now. They never even used to have that to, you know, hire a skating coach, hire something else. And to be able to do that. But when you're with a program like Boston College, you've got that at your disposal all the time, all year round. So you can hit the weight room. Again, being a college hockey player, the advantage is if you definitely needed to get stronger, which he did, you play three, four times a week, you work out the rest. You can't do that in the CHL because they play a lot more games. So that's another advantage to going to college hockey that route. And I think that is, you know, he's done all the right things. I mean, you could look at the numbers and say, yeah, you know what? This looks good. Him being in the college system and doing that transfer has only benefited him in terms of, you know, looking at the Flyers' defensive depth, you know, in the prospects. And I think that it's kind of unfortunate that he doesn't have one more year at this point to kind of prove himself because I think he's just missing one year and part of it is COVID you know last year's season was kind of a mess due to that but I think that second year at Yale might have hurt him a little bit in terms of getting the eyes on him Mm -hmm. that he potentially needed so he's going to have to make some pretty rapid improvements and I think at this upcoming summer's development camp is going to have to really shine. If they sign him. He won't be at camp if they don't because... Well, that brings up that question. So what does he need to do between now and then to get signed? And should the Flyers even sign him? Well, they should because he's a right-handed shot. That's that's the one thing. The other thing is he's almost a point a game, senior or not. Even though Hockey East may not be as good as it's been in the past, uh, it's still, you know, pretty good. And... Again, defensemen don't grow on trees. You can't have enough of them. So I think Chuck was probably looking at it last year like, all right, not sure because of COVID they rolled the dice. And maybe that he felt really good about everything that was going on with his system. There's no way you could feel the same way this year now about it. So I don't see how you can't sign them. Just sign them. Yeah, I think, you know, especially with the size that you mentioned, that it seems like a good kind of player to have in the system. You throw him on the Phantoms next season and see if he floats to the top. Yeah, I mean, for every Emil Andre, you know, who's 5'9", it's good to have a guy that's 6'3", too, you know, as well. So, yeah, I, I again, right-handed shot, skates well, gets points. You put him out there, somebody else is going to sign him for sure. I think so, too. Well, we'll see if the Flyers make good on this or if he walks and goes somewhere else. I certainly hope the Flyers give him a shot. I think, you know, he's just about there. And it may be worth it just to give him a shot at development camp and one year at the Phantoms, like I said. Yeah, he's not at the level of, like, Wyatt Kaliniak, who – I thought it was just tremendous offensively, and, you know, he left, so and he's doing pretty good. 
So he's he wasn't at that level, but he's you know he's at a good level. Got beard, get primal. You heard me right. Got beard, get primal. If you or someone you care about has a beard, it needs to get primal. Maybe you're that guy who has never considered the benefits of treating your beard with product. Primal Origin Oils will stop the itch and make your beard look healthy and groomed. Their goal is to help others look good and live healthier lives through the use of natural oils. The products are free from harmful synthetic ingredients with low impact on our planet. Primal Origin Oils are renowned as the best feel-in beard products available. All products are fair trade, certified, and handcrafted in the USA. The combo kits make a great gift, and if you're shopping for yourself, you'll be glad you did. Most companies focus on fragrance first, and that leads to a product that doesn't feel good on the skin. We took a step back and focused on the ingredients first to ensure a product that feels great and still smells fantastic. We know that every company claims to have the best, but Primal Origin Oils challenges you to compare their ingredients and feel in beard to other companies you've used. We promise you will see the difference. Remember the code locked on. Get you 20% off at primaloriginoils.com. Use the code locked on at checkout for 20% off. Moving over to some questions from our mailbag. I think that the temperature of Flyers fandom is in a weird spot right now. So the first question I think is appropriate. Do you think we need another check-in from Chuck Fletcher at this point related to accountability? Do we need that from Dave Scott? Nope. I don't need to hear from either one of them. Show me. Show me some results. Even if you don't feel like you're going to make the playoffs, fine. Then start working on some trades that are going to help you for the future. One way or the other, show it to me. Telling me doesn't help much. I know Chuck's always on the phone. I don't need to hear it anymore. I need to see some some sort of results because there's been no results. Honestly, the pickups have not been great. There's been no results since the summer. Yeah, I think we've been hearing a lot of what we need to hear from Mike Yo, to be honest, in, yeah. in terms of him being forthcoming about the team and their lack of resiliency. So I'm not sure that anything else from Chuck Fletcher would help at this point I think you're right in terms of he should just be doing what he needs to do to manage the team as you know we creep closer to the trade deadline the trade deadline is the subject of the next question we have here the main trade deadline rumors for the Flyers have been around Claude Giroux and you know there's that blip about Ivan Provorov do you think there's any other rostered guy that gets moved well we know that Ristolainen's 50-50. We haven't heard about any contract talks. I imagine in the next week or two we'll either hear that, hey, they tried, or B, it's not going to be in season, and then that would mean C, he's going to get traded. Um, so we don't know about Ristolainen yet. That one's kind of up in the air. Really, Claude Giroux, at some point soon, if they haven't already, they'll probably check and see what his salary demands are and how many years. If he was reasonable at three or four years, I think they probably still keep him. If he wants like market value for the next five years, I think he's going to get traded. So I think that'll be up to, you know, that one's up in the air too. Ivan Provorov's not getting traded. If he does, it's it's silly. I just don't see any reason why you would do it. The cost certainty of him makes that not worthwhile. Uh, I do think Justin Braun could be traded. If Cam York works out well here. That was going to be what I would suggest. 
because yeah. I think your Cam York point is, is a good one, as well as I think he's a really good guy for mm-hmm. a team going into the playoffs to acquire who's a depth defenseman who's going to be reliable if they need him in a pinch. Yeah, absolutely. Could play up and down in the lineup for short periods and can play definitely bottom pair for you know the whole run for some team. So, yeah, he's going to get traded. Uh, Martin Jones could get traded. I mean, you know, if a team like Edmonton doesn't come up with a goalie, but last minute comes calling for Martin Jones, it's going to give you some sort of draft pick, you take it. I, I still think, you know, there's some teams that are going to need a goalie and maybe even just look for additional depth in case, like, you know, in Edmonton's case, Mike Smith doesn't work out. Or, if you know, if Pavel Francouz were to get hurt again or something, or even with Kentner not being the best that he's ever been this year. You never know if Colorado would want to carry another one. So I could see there's there's some teams out there that, that might have interest in Jones. I think he's done well enough that somebody would want him, if nothing else, for that depth. Yeah, I agree with you there. All right, continuing our defensive theme, uh, other than Agor Zamula or Cam York, obviously who have played in games this season, is there a... Flyers defensive prospect other than those two that will be the next to make a Flyers lineup could be next year could be the year after but um who who's next up maybe Linus Hogbert but I haven't fully seen it yet I mean I don't think anybody else is really that I can think of that's really as close as those guys yeah, I mean, so, that's part of the problem, right? Because yeah. it could end up being Emil Andre, to be honest. It could, but that would be a big jump for me. But it could. Yeah, if it's late next season. Maybe. Uh, we talked about this a little bit in our Jack St. Ivany profile, but uh, this is, you know, the big question, I think, for prospects. Uh, given the way that prospects tend to now develop do you see NCAA hockey or junior hockey as the better path to NHL success well I honestly think I'll say it like this if I were a parent and I've given this advice myself to some uh to some hockey parents out there I say go the NCAA route and I'll tell you why you're guaranteed a U.S. college education there's not really a slight against Canada but you have to go to the right school in Canada I feel like, to get the right education. And I feel like in the U.S. there's a lot more choices. I know there's a lot more choices. So I always tell people, listen, if you get any kind of free ride or partial to get your kid to be on a hockey team, Division One, Two, or Three, I think that's better than the Canadian University route. I don't think it's a bad way. I just think this is better. And I do think this is why you see uh, some Canadians come this way, uh, a lot of Finns, I don't know if you've noticed, but there's been a lot of Finns that come out of the uh, college system. And so, you know, and some Swedes. And I do think it's the best way. I honestly think, especially if you're at a, you know, an Ivy League school or something close to that, you know, like a big school like Michigan, man, you, you got it made. You're playing hockey and you're doing that. There's a different kind of spotlight on Canadian junior leagues versus the NCAA hockey where I feel like you have the room to progress at a, a doable pace. Yeah. Whereas I think I that's feel fair. like the pressure in the CHL 
to perform at a much younger age when you are also smaller in size and not a mature human being is is a lot more than in the college ranks. When you're a freshman, when you're a sophomore, unless you're a superstar, you're given a little bit more space to learn. And I think that's important for some of these kids. And I think we're learning that, yeah, there's always going to be some better players in junior hockey, some better players overseas. But, you know, when there were dinosaurs roaming the earth like Don Cherry, they used to kill the uh, college hockey system. I think that's, you know, that's changed. It has. And college hockey's fun. So there's a lot it of fun, is fun stuff I love the, the band. Traditions. It's yeah. fun with the, yeah, it's good. I, I do like the atmosphere. Yeah. So I, that's always a good time. All right. Wrapping up with our Flyers fun thing. We didn't get a chance to talk about this last week, but Jake Voracek, our old buddy, got to a thousand games in the NHL. And the Flyers are actually pretty nice and put out a little tribute to that on social media, including some, you know, well wishes from former teammates. And it's just really nice that they did that. Yeah. One uh, number 68. Yarmir Yager decided to say, hey, Jake, you know, and he really helped Jake in his career. He did. And mm-hmm. he took him under his wing and, and really well, made a big countryman. difference. fellow countrymen. Yes. And he was like, hey, it's great. Thousand games. Great. Congratulations. And he's like, oh, there's one bad thing here. The bad thing is you got to play like 700 more games to catch me. And he said it with a big smarmy face because that's Yager. <laughs> that is always to be expected from him. Yes. All right, that'll do it for today's show. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. We'll be back again tomorrow. We're going to preview the game against the Boston Bruins, should that take place. Uh, Tuka Rask signed a contract, so could see him, maybe not. But the most of tomorrow's show will be dedicated to talking to Sam Carcidi, who recently departed from the Philadelphia Inquirer after an illustrious uh, 46-year career. So it'll be interesting to get his perspective on the team from, from all of these years. It'd be great. As a reminder, we always want to hear from you. Send us in your mailbag questions via Twitter at LockdownFlyers, or you can email us at LockdownFlyers at gmail.com. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ. I'm at Sportsology. S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. You made us your first listen today. Now make your second listen, Locked on Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy Q, with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling.